Good evening, everybody. It's so good to have you with us uh, as we go into our fourth installment in our series, The Olympian. And in this entire uh, series, the few weeks that we've got together, we're looking at the very notion of why do some people have dreams and accomplish them while, whilst others falter along the way and quit. And uh, we, 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 we try to persuade you, we try to persuade you uh, that the very important thing that will make all the difference for an athlete and for anybody else along the way is that they build the inner life uh, that would bring resilience and strength and will help them become the type of people that don't just seem skilled and talented and trying hard, but people that can reach the pinnacle and accomplish what's already been within them. So in order to develop the inner being, in order to develop the inner character, in order to develop the emotional health and strength of mind, uh, we've proposed four things that we as followers of Jesus need to also maintain in order to become everything that God has designed for us to be. And the first thing we looked at the eyes, at the vision, and we said you will never become anything that you haven't already seen deep within you. And you could look at what people think of you or what you think of yourself, but until you begin to see what Jesus sees in you, until you see the DNA that God has within you, you will never become what God had intended for you. The following week, uh, we looked at the hand and, and we looked at the training, the athletes, the hard works involved in the training and the trials of life and how you and I can endure, uh, not just uh, uh, you know, quit when the going gets tough. The third, the third week last week, we looked at the athletes die. And we said the athletes reach their dreams not merely based on talents, but on the way they have self-control over what comes in their being and what they manage a balanced diet. And, and today I'm going to look at the fourth thing, and that's the nose. And, I, and I'm going to look at people around us, people around us. It would be insulting your intelligence if I stood here today and invested any amount of time trying to convince you that athletes become who they are because of the people alongside them. You would never think that you require convincing that every athlete requires a coach and a support group and a, and a group of peers and, and helpers and supporters to reach the pinnacle. You know, we know that that's critical. You've seen it. Research is done all over the place of the impact that coaches and support groups have on the athletes. In fact, there is uh, an interesting study was done by uh, on uh, Canadian Olympians uh, back three or four years ago, and they discovered the correlation uh, between uh, the healthy relationship between the athlete and the coach and their ability to perform well. It's a, it's a, it's a given. We are people who are made for relationships, and we thrive, and relationship with other people bring the best out of us. I stumbled alongside a book uh, late last year, maybe around October, November last year, the first, first audio book I've ever uh, listened to, and I think it will be the last because it gave me a headache, uh, just listening to it all the time, several hours, 
uh, but it was called the power of the other. And through a psychological treatment, this guy is a, he's got a, a, a pretty high up there type of studies. He's a psychiatrist, he's a doctor in psychiatry, and an amazing amount of influence people have on us, on our performances, on the way we see ourselves, on the way that we interact with others. So if this is the case, if it's unnegotiable, if it's, uh, if it's not uh, necessarily something that you need to convince somebody about, why is it different in our spiritual life and endeavors? If we're going to develop the type of characters that God could entrust with the dream, why are we so hesitant? Why are we so hesitant to embrace the power of the other? Why are we so worried about what other people think about us to the extent that we withhold real and sincere connections with other people around us? Friends, let me tell you something that ultimately have developed a type of Christianity that are doomed to fail. When we talk to people who don't know Jesus, and maybe you are here, somebody that don't know Jesus necessarily, maybe you're just visiting with us tonight. And the reality for those people that come new into Christianity, we say to them, listen, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He died on a cross to forgive your sin. You open your heart, you receive, or, or, or just you, you connect to that Savior, and, you forgive, and He will forgive your sins, and you begin to come to church, read your Bible, pray, and la, 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 la. Have you noticed the type of Western Christianity that we've packaged up and prepackaged for people who don't know Jesus? It's a solo Christianity. It's an independent type of Christianity. And when we say to them, come to church, all we mean, come and sit in a pew and the rest will be okay. There is no magic in Christianity, people. You don't just sit through an environment pews. You don't connect with anybody else and bang, you have an injection and you become everything internally that God intends you to become. It's a lie of the enemy. Because the people that you connect with best are people who have been developed by the power of the other. The people that have developed in the relationships, they developed in the heat of interaction. People who are developed their inner being are people who are open to others and confess their, their, their mistakes and, and their shortfalls and allow other people to speak into their life. We are designed to live in community, in transparency, in support, and in challenge. So why do we find it so hard? i tell you why we find it so hard. One of the reasons why we find it so hard is that we all come to relationships with a prepackaged pattern or a mentality. We have a particular way of perceiving relationships based on our past, based on our observations, based on our experiences. And you can't blame people who have gone through a really hard time as they're growing up to be able to ignore all of that and say, I'm brand new. I've got a, you know, I can, I can endure whatever comes my way. Because you and I have experienced diverse um, uh, type of people that some hurt us, some treated us unjustly, some have betrayed our trust when we trusted them, 
Some people have been further, uh, some friends have been worse than enemies. It's not that we are intentionally withholding our connections with other people. We've been burnt one too many times. So we have a relationship and interaction with people that pre, uh, with a preconceived lens that this is going to hurt me, that this is not going to be fun, that this is going to end up badly. You know, we come into relationships and when we investigate relationship with diverse interests, we say some of us are interested to be uh, very much removed from other people. So all their interactions with others are very formal interactions, if you like. They make, make sure that when people connect with them, they're so irritated by them that they don't try to connect with them again. We play those games. We become cold or, or we shrug the shoulder or, or we're not really helpful in our interactions with other people just to make sure that they're not going to come and annoy us again. They're going to leave us alone because the heart deep within us is so hurt that we're saying, I don't want to connect with others because I don't want to be hurt again. For some of us, we love the superficial interactions with other people. Yes, associate, people that we go to, uh, out with, maybe even go to the footy or go to um, uh, you know, dinners or whatever it might be, but we keep them as an, an arm's length, an arm's length. We make sure that there is no real transparent interactions with others. Or we go to the absolute extreme and, and, and just, you know, every person that we see, we, 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 we air our dirty laundry to the extent that they feel like, whoa, 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 you're going to kill me. I'm, I'm, I'm not really used to that yet. And for some of us, we even do that in connect groups and we do that in mentoring relationships where we just keep others away from the real deal that is going on in our life. But if, if our inner being is going to be shaped by interactions with others, how do we reconcile that? How we reconcile the fact that we truly have experienced hard and, and, and potentially destructive relationships in the past? How, I can't deny that I've been hurt in the past. How do I manage to do life again with other people? And that's what I want to talk to today. I want to encourage you and potentially persuade you to do life sincerely with other people again. Because I'm aware if you're over 10 years of age, you know what it's like to have a relationship with somebody that hurt you, betrayed you, troubled you. And you have every right to withhold connecting again but by God's grace I want us to open up again to people because the reality is no matter how hard you've been hurt and I know that I've been Christian for enough time to tell you you know what actually this week I met two people who have been in ministry before one 88 years of, uh, of age who's been an ex-minister, and an, uh, sorry, yeah, he's been minister until he retired, and another guy who was an ex-minister for many, many years. And both of them told me a quote I actually haven't heard before. A bit ignorant there, but they both mentioned the same quote at two different days. One of them quoted it differently, but one said that Christians are the only army that shoots its soldiers. 
Christians are the only army that shoots its soldiers. And the other guy, several days later, said to me, Christians are the only army that shoots its wounded. It's sad. You've been hurt. I've been hurt. But somehow we need to reach to a point to say, how can I build relationships again? Because my inner being is is going to be changed as a result of it, and my destiny is dependent on it. Because I want to tell you something. God won't bless you unless you work deeply inside of you. I'm going to make it outright honest. You won't be used by God unless God is mended what's on the inside of you. So is it possible? Is it possible for us to build a relationship with other people despite of our past and difficult experiences? Well, I want to share with you a story or a continuation of a story of one man, a young man who came on the history, the pages of history when he was 17 years of age. So that would cater for most of us. And he had dreams. He had hopes. He wanted, uh, and, and, and his father loved him deeply, and God invested in him a, a vision for the future. In fact, he had two dreams. One dream that reflected his authority, that his brothers, as in mom and dad, would fall, bow down before him, and he will be in a position of authority. And the second thing, or the second uh, 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 dream that he had, which similar to the first one, the, the sheaves, his sheaves, stood up and the other sheaves of his brothers bowed down before him. So he was going to be some leader in provision, in, 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 in sustaining uh, people with capacity and uh, nutrition. His brothers hated his guts. They were so jealous of him, they wanted to sabotage the dream. Particularly because his dad favored him. So, they planned to sell him. They nearly wanted to kill him. And then Judah, one of their brothers, stood up and, and told him, hey, let's not kill him, let's just sell him. So they sold him to Egypt. He became a slave in a culture he's never been uh, uh, to. He doesn't understand language. He can't even speak or, 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 or understand. And then over a period of time, like we've been mentioning the past few weeks, God launches him into a position of power. He interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh. And Egypt was the most powerful country at that, st- at, that, at that time in the world, in the known world back then. And the reality is, he truly became the second in charge in Egypt, the prime minister, a person of great authority and power. And he predicted, based on God's capabilities, uh, that there will be seven years of, fam- of plenty on, in, uh, in, in, in Egypt and around the world that will be followed by seven years of famine. And he told the uh, Pharaoh and, and officials in Egypt, let's make sure that we, uh, we, we reserve a lot of food and, a, and, and, and make sure that we protect ourselves by caring for our environment and by uh, storing lots of, uh, uh, of the harvest in a place so that uh, when the seven years of famine come about, we're not starving, that we can actually have enough to eat. And so it was. After seven years of... Uh, being able to uh, reserve the food that's required. After that, they came the years of famine. They came the years of famine. 
And because Joseph had done the hard yards, the Egyptians would come to uh, Pharaoh and, and to Joseph and they would receive for a, a, a payment, they would receive uh, the, the food that they require. But there, Joseph's family in, in, in Canaan, they were uh, beginning to experience the repercussion and the implications of the famine. So they decided that they would go to Egypt. Their father said, go to Egypt. Because I heard that they have lots of food and, and, and purchased for us some food. And there they went. Uh, the brothers, except Benjamin, the, the, the youngest of them, who is Joseph full, Joseph's full brother, they went there, uh, sent by their father. And uh, true, uh, as they went there, they discovered that Egypt had food. They didn't know that Joseph was waiting for and as he saw them coming, he recognized them. He's dressed in his Egyptian attire, completely disguised from everybody else. And they did not recognize him. So Joseph said to them, who are you? So they told him who they are. And he said to them, no, 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 you kidding me? You are spies. They said, no, 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 we're not spies. We're the real deal. We're honest men. And he said to them, tell me about your family. So they told him about their family. And they told him, you know, we, we have a brother who's no more. Uh, like Joseph is no more. And we have a young brother who's still with our dad. His name is Benjamin. He's really dear uh, to him because obviously he's the, uh, you know, a child in his old age. And his brother is, is apparently dead. Uh, so he wouldn't let him go. In fact, Joseph kept on pushing them, said, your spies, your spies, your spies, to set them up. And he said, listen, if you're truly honest like you're saying, then you will not be re relieved unless you bring your youngest child uh, to me. Until you bring your youngest, your youngest brother, Benjamin, to me and prove that you're saying the truth. And they realized that this is going to be a disaster. How on earth are they going to go and tell their dad, we want Benjamin. We, you know, uh, we were responsible for whatever happened to Joseph, who was no more. But now we have to go and grab Benjamin. They knew their father was going to collapse. And in verse 21 in Genesis 42, it says, They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. And they didn't mention the name Joseph. We saw, look at these amazing scriptures. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. You know why I wanted to mention that? I wanted to mention that Joseph wasn't a type of a person that said, oh, yeah, they're going to sell, sell me as a slave to Egypt. Yeah, bring it on. That's going to be a new adventure into the new world. It's going to be. He was so distressed. He was pleading for his life and his brothers would not care. If that happened to you, if that happened to me, would you want to see those people again? Would you want to interact with these people again? You were pleading for your life and they left you like that. Would you want to shake hands with them again? Would you want to do anything with them again? Would you even want them to be in the same suburb where you are? Of course not. But look at what happened. Uh, through uh, uh, diverse events, 
uh, Joseph said to them, leave one of your brothers here. You go back to your father. Unless you bring your younger uh, brother, uh, you know, you're not going to see me. And indeed, they went back. Their father was going to collapse when they told him we need to bring our brother. Eventually, when they finished with the food, they came back to Egypt. And Joseph met them, had dinner with them in, their, in, in his room. They don't know him except as the, as the Egyptian man who's lording over the country. You know, he's the big boy, he's the top shot. And he, and he puts uh, his cup into Benjamin's sack. And as they, uh, they were leaving, they left uh, Egypt and he sent, Joseph sent one of his servants and he said, what have we done wrong to you that you would steal something from my master's house? And they said to him, we wouldn't steal anything. We're so grateful to what you guys are doing and providing food for us. We wouldn't steal anything. He said, no, you stole the cup from my, uh, you know, the big cup of divination that my master has in his house. They said, listen, we are so sure that we haven't done anything wrong that if you find that cup anywhere, whoever has that cup should be dead. You know, kill him. So from the oldest to the youngest, they looked through their sacks and behold, the cup was with Benjamin. And they tore their clothes and said, oh my goodness. We couldn't show our face again to our father. He's going to absolutely die. Anyway, they come back to Joseph and Judah, uh, you know, shares his heart with Joseph rather than what they've done. You know, Judah is the one that suggested that Joseph be sold into slavery. He now pleads with Joseph and says, hey, I will become a slave, but let my brother Benjamin go back. There's been a change going on in his life. And then we arrive to our passage for tonight. Chapter 45 in Genesis, and it says, this, it says this, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. He asked them if his father is alive, is still living, but his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Let me tell you a little secret. These people, the brothers of Joseph, have lived with a lie for 22 years. From the time Joseph was sold to this moment when he's 39 years of age, they had lived with a lie that Joseph is no more, or just as Judah said in the previous chapter, that our brother is dead. Imagine the absolute terror that fell upon them when they confronted with the reality that this is Joseph. Are you kidding me? You know what Joseph did? I'm going to give you three simple ideas today to rebuild relationship once again. Relationships that will ultimately help you personally and change your destiny. The first thing, he revealed himself 
understood. Up until this uh, moment of this chapter, Joseph was known as the Egyptian God, as the Lord of the land, as the second in charge. He actually spoke to his brothers as through an interpreter. He never revealed that he was Joseph. He was his personality to them was about the status. It's about the role. It's about the function. He was just a man who lorded over others. He was the man who was in charge. And let me tell you something, friend. Joseph, it chose to have relationship again only by revealing himself, his true self, to his brothers. You will never have the type of relationships that impact your inner being and accordingly impact your destiny until you reveal who you really are to the people around you that you trust. Time out. What do people know about you beyond your role and your function and your status and your reputation? Because until people know who you really are, until people know the real you, not the masked you, not the church you, not the the, the you that everybody adores, until some people know who you really are, you've got a mask with the scripture says is hypocrisy. You're playing games. You have no hope of building the type of relationship that will ultimately change who you are from the inside. But the truth is this. We have played the Christian game for so long that we would rather to protect our reputation than develop our character. We have played the Christian, because you know what? We want to portray to the world and we want to portray to each other that we've got it all together. Hey, let me tell you something. Every single person in this room knows you haven't got it together. So quit pretending. Not a single person in this room has got it together. Not a single person in this world has got it together because we have a virus inside of us. You imagine if a virus breaks in a ward. Everybody's sick. You know what? Somebody says, no, I don't don't want to have medicine. Mate, you're sick. No, 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 no. You, you, You think I'm sick. I'm not sick. I'm all right. Mate, it's spread everywhere. The entire humanity got it. You're not good enough. You've got a virus of sin that tends to do the wrong thing. When are we going to feel okay to be broken? Because in the eyes of God, you're awesome because you're broken. And if somebody judges you, they're tough luck. God would say to them, get out the plank out of your eyes before you judge somebody else who's got a little speck in their eye. You don't have to worry about how people perceive you. But who are you revealing your real you to? Who are you revealing your real you to? Not your function, not your role, not your reputation. Because that's the type of things that brings relationship to life again. The first thing um, Joseph did was transparency. He revealed his true self to his brothers. Look with me at uh, verse 4. He says to them, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one 
you sold into Egypt. The one you sold into Egypt. And you read different commentators telling you that that repetition, you know how in the previous couple of verses he said to them, I'm Joseph, and here it says I'm Joseph. This saying, you know, it was compiled from different two different sources and the like. And I, I'm not going to get into any of that type of stuff. I'm too dumb to know this stuff. But I bet you that this was a proper repetition. First of all, he says to them, hey, I'm going to reveal who I am to you. I'm going to begin with transparency. But listen. Transparency and relationship needs also truthfulness. I am Joseph, but you're not honest men. <laughs> You've told me since the moment you came into Egypt, your servants are honest men. Hey, you're the ones that sold me into Egypt. Because if we have a relationship that would endure the test of time. If we're going to have relationships that build who we really are, we've got to be a people that have revelation and rebuke. Gentle rebuke. Say, hey, listen, you're not who you're really saying you are. I'm going to reveal who I am, but you too need to reveal who you are because you've been kidding yourself for the past several chapters and many years saying that we're honest. And our brother is dead or our brother is no more. Friends, if we ever going to be the type of people that want to build relationships that bring the best out of us, we've got to accept. We've got to accept the challenge. We've got to be in relationships where a challenge is okay. Not every time somebody tells you something, you want to smack them, you want to hurt them, you want to abuse them back. Every time there is something that they can bring to your attention, you say, but you have also something wrong with you. It's like, that's not it. If you cannot accept honest and sincere feedback, if you can't accept the reality, if you, if you don't want anybody to put the mirror before you, you're worried about your reputation. Let's build relationships where there is revelation and transparency of who we really are, but also give somebody and some people an opportunity to speak the truth into your life. You know, Paul confronted Barnabas and Peter, the apostle, because they were hypocrites. He had to put the mirror in front of them and tell them that's who you really are. Jesus had to confront what Peter was saying and said to him, move away from me, Satan. He had to, to, to bring the mirror in front of him and help him see what was happening. In your, who's putting the mirror in front of you? Not only who's putting the mirror in front of you. Who's putting the mirror in front of you and you haven't heard them yet? Who's putting the mirror in front of you and you haven't? Accuse them of something nasty yet. Because we have a tendency to fight back if our ego or our reputation is scratched. That's not the type of people that God would ever allow to use the ultimate, to be used for the ultimate dream that God has for you. You'll always be in plan B 
instead of plan A. Joseph revealed himself. Joseph rebuked them. Then look at this next one. In verse 9 it says this. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph said. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. Look at that. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there. He didn't say, hey, go grab my dad and let me tell you something. I don't want to see your face again. You better just bring your dad and run for your life before I get you. Because you've been so nasty. You're the ones that sold me into you. No, 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 no. He says, I want you near. I want to build relationship with you again. Even though you betrayed me. Even though you were nasty. Even though you tried to sabotage my life and you wanted me dead. But come back again. And then in verse 14, it says, Then he threw his arm around his full brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Beforehand, they, they, they talked with him a long time beforehand. How come it says here that they talked with him? What well, weren't they talking with him for the past several chapters? Of course they were. But they weren't talking with him. There was no connection. There was no affection. There was no heart-to-heart interaction. If the first thing we need to do, friends, is to reveal who we really are. The second thing we need to be honest and challenging. There must be rebuke in relationships that are truthful and honest. But truth in love, look, he invites them back again to a relationship. True, genuine relationship inviting the opening his heart opening his emotions opening his area and he's even saying i will support you with provision i will provide for you you'd say to me peter i've been hurt too many times i'm i'm glad you've put some effort into trying to convince me that i need to invest in transparent challenging and supportive relationship but brother you know good for you you know, it's a risk that I'm not willing to take. Friends, let me tell you something. It is a risk. Do not ever think I'm promising you or guaranteeing you to have no problem once you re-engage again with trusting, transparent, supportive, and challenging relationship. I'm not promising that one thing. What I'm promising is this, is that it takes others it takes others for your scent to come out. It takes others for your smell to come out. It takes others for the character of Jesus to come out. It takes others for the aroma of Christ to come out of you. You will not be the real Jesus until people sandpaper you, until people hurt you, until people throw rocks at you. Then they can see the truth of your fruit coming out of the tree. Friends, you will not be everything God wants you to be unless you engage with others in a serious relationship of transparency, challenge, and support. What would you prefer? Would you prefer 
to not relate to people that betray you and sell you as a slave to Egypt and maybe stay home favored by your daddy but never accomplish the dream? Because if Joseph did not come to Egypt, he would have never encountered Pharaoh. He would have never been a lord or, 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 or the second in charge of that country. He would never have preserved his, his family. We would have never potentially, I'm not being in a, uh, God can use all type of stuff. But according to what we have in the scripture, God wanted that family to bless the other nations. How would they have been preserved if it wasn't for Joseph being hard done by, being betrayed, misunderstood, and sent into slavery? You know what? He would have never had 80 years of glory if it wasn't for those years of difficulty and betrayal and misunderstanding. What would you prefer? Sit comfortably, building your reputation, or live vulnerably? building your inner life. The choice is yours. The reality that is a risk. But is it worth it? I bet say yes. So why am I saying it's worth the risk? One verse I share with you. I, I pray that it penetrates your life tonight. Look at what Joseph said to them. I believe that is the one thing that if you and I take the heart, will engage with people and re-engage with people again. It says this. Now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And he finishes off with this. So then, it was not you. It was not you. It was not you who sent me here. Let me tell you something. Unless you believe that God has control over people around you, you will never, ever, ever allow yourself to engage with people. Because no matter what they do to you, friend, if you're right with God, if you're honestly and truly right with God, no matter what they say about you, no matter what they spread about you, no matter what they plot against you, no matter how they betray you, no matter how they criticize you, no matter how they won for 22 years, they won the battle for 22 years. They thought they brought their sabotage, their, their brother's dream. Yet, they sold him, God sent him. They sold him, God sent him. Let me tell you, no human being on the face of this earth can control your destiny. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again. No human being on the face of this earth, no matter what their authority, no matter what their network, no matter how influential they might be, not a single soul in your life can control your God-given destiny. Don't be scared of people. 
Because 22 years later, God will come through. God will come through. They might win for 22 years, but God would reveal the truth one day. And the very people that sabotaged Joseph so they don't have to submit to him, they came and bowed down. Because God always wins. People may sell you. God will send you. People may make you look powerless. God will ensure that you are purposeful. You're not walking life at the whim and the, and, the, and the excitement and the destruction of other people around you. You're not up when people are lifting you up and down when people are throwing insults at you. You're constant because your God is behind every single thing that happens, good or bad. He will turn things around because he wants to see Jesus magnified. In and through you. Friends. Tonight I want to put the challenge out there. You could keep your reputation. But live your small dreams. Or. You could build your inner life. And allow God. To live his dream through you. What do you want? I know deep inside every single one of us. We want to see Jesus oozing out of us. We want to be everything God created us to be. We want to be the real deal that see the favor of God over, over our lives. We want to be a people that make a difference in our community and indeed in our world. Don't let people's opinion of you cause you to hide and conceal who you really are. You can re-engage again. Just as we pray today, my prayer is that you would re-engage with people again. That you would reveal who you really are. Not your role, not your function, not your reputation. That you would reveal who you are. And that you would engage in an environment where there is challenge, where there is rebuke, where there is hard words said in love, so that you could be honestly the type of person that learns to be like Jesus. And then that you would engage with people, invite your people in. Invite your people in into a sincere relationship where you can provide and support and embrace and where you can honestly say, I talk with people. Not just talk at people, I talk with people. Friends, it's my heart's absolute heart's desire for every single one of us, for me, for my family, for you, for your family that we would be the type of people that God is changing our inner being. Because that's really what matters. If He changes you from the inside, you're set for the dream that He has for you on the outside. And He wants to do that. He wants to empower you. Some of us tonight are hurt because of hurtful things happen to you. And I'm just going to pray after that song that there will be a measure of healing so that you could get your head above the water again and say, I'm going to redo this again. But the same God 
that utilized the betrayal of Joseph's brother to bring his greatest destiny. He can use whatever people in your life to bring Jesus out of you. And I know you want that. I know you want that. And we're so thankful that we as a people of God, in our midst, we have, we have young and old people who are committed to really sincere, transparent relationship. I just want us to spread even more. For some of you, as I pray, there is some element of shame because you are trying to avoid the real people that God put in your life because there are some sins that are holding you back. Let me tell you, the scripture tells us that if we confess our sins to one another, you will experience healing. There's no magic. The reason why you're unable to experience emotional freedom because you're hiding the things. You're concealing things. God is never mocked. I want to encourage you. You wouldn't let the enemy keep you in the dark because you have God's DNA in you. And He has a plan for us, for you, for your family, for our community, indeed for our nation. Because of Jesus in you, God can do miracles through you. Amen? Amen. Let's be upstanding. Let's sing our last song.